0: Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gaukiewicz.
1: And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel investors from Ragnarsson. Hello, guys. Welcome again to the next episode of Founding Impact. Today, our guest is Michael Fairburn from 80 Dimensions, and we're going to talk about uh, their very interesting approach to impact investing. Uh, hello, Michael. Nice to, nice to have you here. Uh, before we jump to the super cool topic of impact investing, uh, can you tell us a bit about your background? What's your story and how did you end up in the impact and investing and impact with whichever you think is the most important uh, or how does it work for you? Yeah, definitely.
2: Look, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I look forward to spending time with you in Berlin next time, but for now we'll stay remote. Um, my name is Michael or Mike, that's a, a mum v dad conversation. but. Despite my my English accent, you know, I gratefully have an Indian mother, a Scottish father that we discussed before, Um, both from fairly, I'd say, underprivileged backgrounds um, with little in the way of resource, very large families, which which certainly makes family events very interesting, to say the least. Um, But, you know, (laughs) amongst the many things they taught me, I think two really stand out. And, And one of them is remember that not everyone has clean water you know, and they're in, their own, in their own bed to sleep in at night. Um, but secondly, don't feel guilty for that, really, you know, use that platform, um, use it to help others. And I believe our team, which will come on to really embodies that message. It's, you know, a, a firm tone, you know, that we have a call to action, but we must be encouraging and optimistic, you know, despite the challenges, I think there's, there's a lot of enjoyment out there, there's a lot of benefit to come, and we're certainly hopeful. And I think a high level in terms of why I and the people I represent are working together in, in impact investing now like anything of value, uh, it's personal. you know we, we, we build on many personal stories close to home um, alongside decades of professional experience across our team. I think you know being immersed, um, banging my own head against the wall in, in big banks whilst concurrently working with orphan children cleaning up beaches, rehabilitating Gibbons in, in Southeast Asia um, and I think hearing that passion mixed with frustration from our clients at the same time to understand how can we embolden our impact but at the same time you know generate a, a sensible level of financial return um, I think to you both to anyone listening and, and myself we all have a, a health story um, you know, something close to home and and our our business now is really set up to, to make that story relatable in an investment sense. And from learning from some of the best investment minds in the world, um, we have the foundations to do that, but you know, I can come on to our thesis in a bit, but hopefully that provides a, a high level overview and a flavor as to why we're doing what we're doing.
1: So when you started your professional career, you had already the, um, think that this thought that you want to end up in impact doing something impactful or that was something that was born along the way as you said yourself you're banging your head in a big bang so you were so disappointed with with their approach that you turned naturally into the impact or how did that evolve in your uh, professional uh, life yeah i think
2: and this is a common answer a mixture of both i would say Certainly, pre-existing structures since since I was a toddler, and and I think what's important to all of us, you know, is is community relationships, wildlife, environment, health, feeling good, feeling fresh, sleeping well. I think everyone has you know at least somewhere in those those areas a are real drive, passion, and interest. But I think the the industry, I'm taking a step back now, um, the investment industry more broadly. And now we can talk about any asset class, corporate, uh, day one startup. Um, has just learned a lot over the last ten years, specifically, and then clearly accelerated in the last couple of years with, with a global health crisis. Um, so I think, whilst I had frustration, I have never really adopted the policy of pointing the finger, um, and being disparaging. I, I think you know we have to show some level of of understanding that that big banks, as well resourced as they are, you know, haven't been compensated and structured in a way to to care too much about um, what's happening on the street and how they could be proactive. And personally, I, I think they'll, and they are moving in the right direction. You know, there's huge ESG budgets, sustainability budgets coming out of all sorts of corporates. But, but on a personal note, and for, for a number of our clients and companies we'd worked with, it, it was too slow, really. Um, that The power to go in and, and build something untarnished, to challenge the status quo, wasn't going to start there. Um, And, you know, we can discuss normative reasons as to why not. So I'd say a bit of a mixture. Um, Gosh, I would say a mixture of the two. Um, Something nagging me for a while, but then through experience and you spend many years and you see what's working well in venture specifically, you know, what's what's broken, uh, what's not. And I think working with people that have perspectives of, you know, building, running, selling companies deploying significant assets on behalf of clients into venture funds, building our own portfolio across geographies in, in dozens of businesses um, with a mission to improve people's lives. You connect the dot and the advice and opportunity was there. But I think it was a, a pace to impact was the main driving reason. So, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so you had a chance to see how the um, the status quo of, of banking of, of the financial industry is working. You had your own personal experiences and drive to to do something good, and you know that there are problems to be addressed, problems to be addressed, um, but I mean at least the majority of the industry is doing nothing towards it. How did it um, drive you into uh, coming up with idea of your fund and and structuring in a way to really bridge this gap between what could uh, what could be in the future? Um, happening positively and what it's not really there yet and needs some also financial help
2: i'll start with something basic there's a very good question and i'll i'll try and approach it in a structured fashion some some is very basic and there's no point obfuscating and complicating something where it doesn't need to be like any business you spot a number of patterns um, again, there's a personal driver it. you stay close to data scientists, political connectors, experts, and, and and it makes sense. You know, you start to see where trajectories are going, where the conversation leads. And I think those indicators are a good starting place for, for any business. Um, how we then decided to implement it was, I'd say, a less tangible way. And I think in many industries, certainly for the last 10 to 15 years with the rise of technology people are very quick to look for something quantifiable something tangible when actually I think if you think about lifestyle and health and emotion they're very difficult things to put a number on Um, and ultimately we thought well some of the less factual but more spurious arguably variables need to be implemented you know private and public capital need to talk more. Governments and corporates need to have more standardization, harmonization of how they're attacking the same issues. Startups and philanthropists need to harness the opportunity uh, and speak together. And that's certainly, I think, the message coming out of of, of COP26, where we spent some time over the last few weeks as well. These things are perhaps a little bit more gray zone, um, which has taken the sideline because it's harder to package up and sell it and scale it. But actually, I think a lot of importance is sat in that. So we looked at, um, you know, traditional sector verticals that they haven't spoken to each other for a very long time. Um, you know, the healthcare sector and the consumer sector are, are married, but they don't have a very good marriage. They don't speak, you know, they, they're either living in other countries and, 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 and don't get on very well. And consumer products have become more colorful, more exotic, more artificial and healthcare solutions increasingly become more extreme more expensive. Uh, and I think those two things can, it's almost a, a cold war analogy of the U S and U S S R building arms. It's, it's game theory, right? And I think we thought, well, in the middle of those two things lives lifestyle, you know, we all consume and we all have ups and downs on our health. Some of it's not avoidable. Um, but a lot of it's preventable, you know, so how can we try and find a broader level of impact and cre- connect the dots ultimately, um, and really look into science and our thesis is based on the eight dimensions of wellness. Uh, it's grounded in science. It's been there for centuries. It fell off everyone's radar, including my own, until a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's taught at Harvard, Yale, University of Tokyo, US Federal Institutes for Substance Abuse. It's there in science and it really tries to understand a framework in which an individual or a business can work to to think about its financial health physical health it's social connectivity it's it's mental fitness uh it's environmental impact and all these areas that ultimately if you if you follow your own story you follow the money they all connect um very very quantifiably not just in an idea that sounds correctly so um for a very high level you know we we measure impact in a way that firstly tries to avoid a negative externality of Mm -hmm going too far down one of these dimensions and not really speaking to think more broadly and holistically. But equally on a positive lens, how can we accelerate impact? You know, if we're trying to solve someone's financial literacy conversation, um, there might be a social care issue there, there might be a nutritional imbalance, there might be a biodegradation issue in that local community. And I I think people are really waking up to this conversation now. Um, But which solutions, which companies have the right mindset? And flexibility within their very one-track-minded mission to solve a specific problem, that's where the power of our portfolio can come in to help them think five, ten years ahead, stay relevant, um, and ultimately grow their valuation as a business because without trying to tick every box, they're just having the conversation early with the right people around them to take on some of that grunt, um, some of that bandwidth to, to make them a more socially enhancing proposition um, because I think shifting a problem is rife um, and we see it and we've experienced it from the political level down to the local charity level um, and i think we need to just create that transparency between causes and get them speaking to each other um, and investment is one of the best ways we think we can do that so people are incentivized to, to really care
1: you're saying we all the time and I'm curious to to learn you're saying it's not you it's a group of of like-minded people who are your partners how did you meet and how you ended up working together
2: Yeah very great fantastic I'm glad you picked out I'm saying we I didn't know it was <laughs> it's natural um look, we we are a consortium of very collaborative minded people we're not agreeable like-minded in some ways like-minded not necessarily in other ways um you know but the common denominators in, in, in what we care about are integrity, a care for the other versus self, um, and ultimately trying to bring together and, and rally support with sacrifice to to improve people's lives. And and, and you know, the people vary. We have had investment relationships, personal relationships, corporate relationships. Um, you know, some of the people that work together in our team have worked together for 25 years. Some have met for the first time in the last year. Um and they are based US, UK, Hong Kong, predominantly. Um, there are a number more, if I think about the the ecosystem and charting out people we work with and how much time we spend with them. Um, you know, there are many hundreds, I think. We're, we're solving very complicated issues that we will understand much more about in three to five to 10 years time. And I think there needs to be, you know, I write this down... I wrote this down with a client um, the other day. Um, was it, it, it generally the point? There's no monopoly on knowledge, and I think there has been an in, embedded insecurity to go, crikey, that competitor's doing something amazing. You know, I think we should be praising good competition. It's a healthy thing, and I think people have tried to to hide that off and 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 pretend to collaborate, but ultimately try and compete at the last hurdle. And and, and our model from day one, and what we've seen work well in. A number of sectors over different decades and, and market cycles is sometimes you get slapped for being too open and, and, and not protecting IP, etc. But but that is the best way to do business over time if you can stomach that and weather the storm and you will keep attracting the right people. And that's not easy up front. Um but I, I say we, I'm I'm speaking on behalf of people more tenured than me. Um in some areas certainly much smarter. But, but again, there's a trust. You know, we all work hard. We all have a different passion. We have investment prowess. We have philanthropic experience, operational expertise. Um, and really, we need all three of those things around the same table every day to discuss issues of improving people's lives and, and but doing it in the right way with the right structures around it.
0: I, I would love to go, go back maybe a bit to, to the topic of um, looking at impact. So you said at some point that it's... It's difficult to measure it, and this is definitely something that we see, uh, especially at the pre-seed stage that we are mostly involved with. Uh, sometimes it's not so easy to tell. You know, to what extent do we expect from founders to have like solid numbers, predictions, forecasts, uh, all those LCA assessments, mm-hmm. saying that you know in ten years X amount of CO2 is going to be reduced. Sometimes it's a bit tricky, and I'm I'm super curious to learn a bit more. To what extent you try to measure those things? To to what extent uh, you rely on founders doing the heavy lifting? Are you involved in the process somehow, or uh, the startups needs to need to, needs, need to figure it out on their own? Do you have any like, an, any specific way of doing it, or it's it's all all like case by case depending on the on the industry uh, uh, of the company you want to invest in uh, and other, other factors?
2: great question and i think given the subjectivity in there you know there's certainly no right or wrong answer um the language changes at each stage on the quote-unquote investment curve um you've just Mm -hmm. described it and i think you're compensated differently in terms of risk reward for that um the potential of financial growth and that's impact if that's the the pairing that we should all be doing but one is doing in, in any investment sphere from the pre-seed day one idea generation is, is by far going to give you the greatest ability to do that potentially but equally the smallest chance of it occurring we are experienced investing all across the curve whether it's debt equity private to public capital um, and i say we again for that reason you know i'm certainly no expert in all those areas there's a lot of different languages to understand and uh, and and dedication and, and networks to do a good job in any of them and it takes time if it happens overnight then there's then you're gambling and um, that's the point. so I would say there's a fundamental consistency around some financial forensics, qualitative character fit um, mm-hmm. but markets change you know competitors come and go you need a dynamism uh, and broad perspectives and I think a framework helps when you're bringing in an expert, and also someone with no prior knowledge to a specific type of business whether that's the area of impact whether it's a more practical consideration if it's a, a tech b2b play versus a b2c physical consumable product you know you, we like to bring in people from very different persuasions that can look at it with the most honest stark i have no idea about this but what on earth would you do that versus someone who really understands the market thus you yep. do need you do need a framework to to host that debate and conversation; otherwise, it, it will just go on forever. Um, I think if we look at harmonisation across a number of certifications, you know, speaking of impact, fair trade, MSC, certified organic, you know, that they've done a lot of good, but equally they've become, um, I would almost say, an an ability to rest on your laurels as a business, and, and obviously sometimes, as we know, increasingly now with with, with the press hiding a lot of truth behind the scenes. So I, I think we need to be structured, but very dynamic and think about that that path to positivity because it's going to have to change over time. Um, and that's that's sometimes an investor's worst nightmare. It's saying we'll build a plan, but knowing the plan is going to change, not just 10 times, but 100 times, but, but having the right people around you to know when and how and at what cost to do that. Um, there are always inherent trade-offs. And I think from our side... We, we apply a proprietary framework. We use a lot of traditional modeling and understanding. You know, we're not trying to recreate the wheel. There's great people that have built certain things before and there's no point creating them. But we, we overlay that with our, our eight dimensions model and try and understand and scenario test over time by bringing enough people around the table to go, if this improves this area by X amount, what's the potential knock-on effect in Y or Z amount to these other areas of impact? And And it's really just... Sitting down and going, are we okay with that level of externality for the next two years? It's necessary to move forward here. But at what point do we pause and reevaluate and start shifting resource and time? Hopefully you avoid cleanup costs in the first place. But equally, if you have created some, you can identify them quickly and move forward because a lot of people now are, are embracing the growth at all costs model, um, purely finance driven. And I think, you know, we, we're managing other people's money. Um, and we're, we're investing our own but we're managing other people's money and that's that's not that's not to be taken lightly you have to be clinical um, you know I've certainly looked a few investors in the eyes over the years um, when things have gone wrong and, and you, you certainly learn more from that than when things go right um, and it really just comes down to and this is a, a, a final point on it really not seeking perfection it's having a clear path doing the right analysis and moving on very quickly um, but remaining dynamic I think and and you both I mean I'm interested in your opinion as well and you know you're based in Berlin now but you cover a lot of Europe and and invest in the UK there's a cultural difference with all these markets Um, so I welcome your thoughts from a more expert pre-seed point of view we invest slightly later we let you guys do the the harder work I would say Um, (laughs) but then we come in and try and help and do so in a way that's then collaborative with you um, and try and bring in a different type of resource.
0: I, I think we could share uh, actually what we did even this this week um, like this is like a constant debate on our end how to how to approach this topic so on one hand at the seed level your expectations have to be um, adjusted to, to those early days of, of the company and lots of problems they need to be solving and coming up with the business model and so on and so forth so I think we came to the conclusion also pretty recently, I mean, it's, it was, it's an iterative process, but we came to the conclusion that what's expected at this pre-seed level is, first of all, commitment to, to impact. So if the founder does it because there is this huge wave of climate change related solutions but and there is a lot of money into it, then maybe it's not the best fit. But if they feel like okay, this is like a serious cause they want to contribute to, and on on the road, make some money out of it, uh, it's a much better balance in our eyes because the in in the long run the impact wouldn't be um, easily um, dropped if it doesn't fit into the money making machine uh, uh, perspective. And the second thing that a bit more um, concrete that we uh, that we uh, Uh, discovered, let's say, or decided to to follow is to um, speak with founders about the hypothesis related to impact that they have. So, for instance, this product, this solution is supposed to be reducing CO2. How? Well, they do this, this, this and that. There are risks, as always, that maybe if we go into this direction, something's happened. If we go into that direction, something happens and so on and so forth. And now having those initial hypothesis and the plan how to actually confirm the same way as you confirm product market fit, that this solution solves the problem, then in the long run we can kind of overlook, um, watch the situation, observe what's what's happening, and uh, kind of adjust the, the strategy and also expectations. So, pre-seed level hypothesis, strategy, what we want to confirm and one. and then later stages once you have some data then you can be a bit more meticulous and concrete about specific kpi specific metrics and if we look at the deal flow that that we have i would say that um, the majority is not able to deliver any numbers any predictions at the beginning i'm not sure if this is because of like lack of uh, maybe not lack of interest but Simply, it's it's not so easy to to do. They they don't always uh, think it's relevant for investors to to see it, to have it in in pitches. I text. would
1: say it's also about that at this early stage you have to be a little bit creative in finding a way to finding like a path to to test your hypothesis, right? And not everyone is like creative enough. Simply saying to look beyond things that works for a typical business like to how to create I don't know like a revenue or how to onboard clients but when it comes to like proving the impact you need to be a bit more creative and look outside the box in finding a way how to find the numbers to prove your concept and I would say that's one of the like the soft problems that mm-hmm. I see there it's not about they don't know yeah, they don't know how but maybe there's like there there's a lack of like well tested ways yes. to prove the impact on this early stage absolutely and there is no knowledge sharing when it comes to that and it's a systemic problem not all, not only about founders itself themselves but uh, yeah i would say lack of creativity Sorry I, for I disrupting your <laughs> your
0: thoughts. No, no, no. I I, I was. I think I was done like... Um, so, pre-seed stage is a bit of Wide Wild West and then the expectations on someone like you are much higher than you have time for LCA, for all those like legit assessments to what extent the solution uh, helps. But I, I can imagine it's also... Even at those later stages, it's not so easy to tell.
2: Totally. I, I, yeah, we again there's subjectivity we're still primarily an early two growth stage investor but i think it's it's that value point you, you're quite right you really need to find the right people that can say look i'm creative what i'm trying to build will most likely change um and then it's for us when, when that data set's been built that understanding there's some lock and load there's momentum it's okay how can we help implement that um in an efficient way and before it institutionalizes too much, you know, that, that complicated inflection point. And speaking on behalf of some of the we on my team, um, and I very much point to them here, managing teams in the thousands, crikey, tens of thousands, some of them, that they'll always say that the hardest point, caveat weighted, depending on the industry and the business, of course, but is that, that growth of a business from, from 50 to 100 people um, for whatever multitude of reasons that creates a complexity. Um, and you need expertise around that and there are huge trade-offs you know the job type very much changes then there's a lot of looking at yourself sternly in the mirror as a founder of a business and going you know what do I want who are the right people to really replace me now here and there Um, I guess it's the only thing that you can liken to sending your children um, often a a summer camp or to university or to school or with a guardian when they're tiny It's, it's those kind of things that you just need people around you. That's where you need your, you know, your granddad, your auntie, etc. To go. It's okay. Um, it's the right thing to do. It's the best thing for their development. Now, of course, you know the love is still there. You're still massively involved, and I think it's it, it, that's probably an example of the stage we operate at, where there's a big trade-off. You know, which geography are you going to next. You know, are you going to now double down on your B two B or B two C strategy? You've been running both to test them out and test the waters, but now it's 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 you know, it's run or it's run or fly time. Um, and that's tough. And I think that's more important than a lot of people in the market. Our venture friends may agree or disagree. We're not here to do that. We're here to collaborate with, with good people. That's not, that's still not common in the market. There are still people that are out for their own gain. Um, and ultimately, and then maybe we can talk about how we're structured, you know, the most important People and the real champions in our broader team and our shareholders or the entrepreneurs we invest in. You know, they're the ones making a bigger sacrifice, I'd say, um, than any of us in our team. Um, and we have responsibility to protect them. And the toughest time we think to do that is when they've been doing it for a couple of years, you know, they've had some, some great support, fortunately, from people like yourselves. And there's still a glut of people to come in externally and, and come on board and provide them that that education that capital that that you do um but a lot don't even have that at all right um certainly if we think about the broader landscape of the world but there is such a a need for an understanding um in all these early stages and and people that are around the table that are willing to give rather than take um and, and share that burden i think so yeah
0: would you be able to sh- to share like maybe um, a specific example of of a company you invested in and where where the process of impact evaluation was especially um, I don't know maybe clear or like vivid that okay this is this is where you are this is where where you're going to achieve and we have this very specific outcome that we can expect happening in 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 a year or two.
2: I think. So we'll always mix something that's tangible with that's not so quantifiable again, for the reasons we've discussed. Mm-hmm. We as much if not more than financial measurements will will certainly measure you know how many thousands of hours has it got people doing x versus y, how many uh, days of education have been implemented, where um, who created that agenda, who's reevaluating it, you know who's actually I guess building that manifesto. Um, you know, how much time has been saved in social care, what's productivity mm-hmm. metrics in this company now? We've applied a well-being infrastructure. Um, you know, we we'll, we'll talk about climate empowerment, nature-based solutions versus just planting a tree. You know, everyone goes, I planted ten million trees, what trees? Where? Were trees the most efficient method? Who planted those trees? Um, actually a lot of tree planting is very damaging to certain soil uh, degradation and, and, and the top layer where a lot of the nitrous oxide can be sequestered anyway um, so so a number of those things and again we co-invest with experts in any of the eight dimensions we are very openly and purposefully quite broad in our remit we have very strict standards across different verticals horizontally but but we're no strangers to know you need a team, whether that's the entrepreneur, whether that's an investor, and, and marrying those off that are real experts in a geography in a specific aspect of biodegradation, or you know they're 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 absolute champions in in the medical device sphere, and they understand that you know our job is to come and help connect those those areas together, play in those tailwinds, provide another source of capital that can also help to open other doors and make sure that. They're really thinking bigger about that area of impact without avoiding thinking about other ones. Um, So that's something. And I think some of the metrics that have been applied, therefore, differentiate between what we leverage off with our partners, as well as our own independent due diligence and understanding and measurement. I think the earlier stage businesses that we invest in within our range, um, again, depending on the type of business and dimension, there are some baseline metrics as you said if it's tons of co2 sequestered if it's you know how many of these items knowing there's minimum standards you know they're sustainably made they're offsetting their carbon in the supply chain cleaner standards etc however how many of them are you putting in someone's someone's living room if it's an exercise bit of equipment um what's the feedback on that you know are people actually sleeping better now how are you capturing that data Uh, are, are relationships getting better you know what's that customer relationship and is As we think about our our portfolio, most of it's offline at the moment, actually. There's a lot of it that's personally invested and there's networks and there's, I would say, quite purposely offline investors that that partner with us that aren't on our website, et cetera.
0: What do you mean by by offline?
2: Well, they're not formal members of the team, but we have access and, and, and trusted relationships with them. What companies are they invested in? How can they help the portfolio and vice versa? How can they share thought leadership, save each other time? Um, find best practice as quickly as possible to help good people improve in people's lives but portfolio construction and portfolio management and these are sorry very corporate banking terms but I think have been lost from venture venture I believe largely drifted towards a very archaic you know I hate to bring out physical metrics because diversity is so much broader but to quote other people a, a white upper class male in a tie who's been in private equity for 30 years i think there's been a ratchet response now towards people who have founded businesses that are you know day one entrepreneurs and they've come into the venture space and i think that's a great i think that's a great thing overall i do think there needs to be a multitude and mixture of those two those two spheres um because a lot of the portfolio management has become disconnected looking at a number of other fantastic funds, um, I think they could do a better job in, in, in creating synergy between their companies and not looking at them all in isolation, um, as individual bets rather than a portfolio that can have an enhancing metric that can protect the bottom line and and ultimately, you know, you're investing in a number of people and We think it's more of a responsibility needs to come into the market. And there's some other good funds doing this in different ways, but I don't think it's yet good enough. Um, And I just see all the time as you you must do as well. Everything that's generally spewed on on social media is how much capital has been raised, what what, what mark-to-market gross returns there. And I, I don't really think that is an honest representation of some of the struggles, um, some of the people, um, and it's a bit too headline media, which is ultimately what ventures trying to avoid and, and challenge. Um, because that sphere is obviously known to have become somewhat um restricted in who's controlling the narrative and and, and the companies that perhaps that, that have tended to get the the limelight. And I, I think we just need to do a bit more about that and and lead with failures, um, but also try and minimize them by not driving for growth at all costs, but going, now's the time to slow down, actually. Maybe you should reallocate some of your time to these areas of impact. Or if not, have you thought about them? Do you like these people? And how can you create that, that community of, of entrepreneurs together? And we've done it for years, and we've actually found that, oh, crikey, people didn't think what they didn't think, but they're more passionate about other areas and otherwise. They suddenly want to give up a third of their time and their babies the last five years and work with these other companies and and become shareholders in each other's um Adventures for doing that I think is important
0: yeah I, I would say that I would I have the same remark which you mentioned about like evaluations being um um heat in the me- media and um presented as an indicator of of success mm-hmm. uh obviously Fundraising is like the first or one of the first steps to, to get the company going. So this is just like one of the milestones to get actually get into more, even more trouble because there's more money to be spent and bigger scale that, that you need to reach. Yes. Uh, but in itself, like oh, sometimes with those uh, cr- crazy evaluations, like I have the feeling that this is, this is the goal in itself f- right. for some people as opposed to just like a way of a tool, money helping us to to build whatever the, the company is supposed to be building.
1: Yeah, but it's also on the, on the um, venture capital or investor side that uh, more often it's about only getting the financial goal. Okay, that you invest to get the financial return, right? But th- that's what I like about impact investing, that it's trying to find a balance between investing only in high valuation companies versus yes. investing also no. in those that will bring a valuation, but also something else and that's actually my next next question because I know that you eight dimensions uh, are trying to find your own way uh, around this typical uh, standard uh, stereotypical uh, venture capital way of doing things and could you maybe uh, introduce us to your unique uh, or not that common approach to to investing with dealing with founders what's your offer here
2: yeah sure uh we, you know, again, we don't invest in companies that are a standalone. Um we have modelled out what would look what, what good looks like, what's perfect. Clearly that differs, but everyone everyone, and that's the main thing, everyone and every company needs to be philosophically aligned, um, but, but practically aligned as well, whether that's on a very basic business level, you know, can we help with a supply chain contact, an external source of capital? A technology that that can that can speed things up but but that's basic i think you know what sounds good can work well but people still have mouths to feed they have a hierarchy of needs they have their family i would be amiss to think that um two of the founders that we've spoken to this week in 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 our portfolio would would uh value my well-being over their young daughters you know that that doesn't mean they don't love me and vice versa but we have to be <laughs> honest and the way in which we can really help them to to look after their families and to stay the course when they're trying to do things that are groundbreaking that are either disrupting or just pushing the boundaries um you know it was important from day one that we set up a business that that gave something back to them up front even going through the process of becoming invested in by a venture fund is a drain and resource. As you know, fundraising is a distraction, uh, from business. It, it costs money. Um, so we make sure that, that all of the founders that we invest in, um, share in our carry from our fund, from our, our personal general partner pool, they, they have a financial hedge ultimately, you know, their business hopefully, um, succeeds in its, its 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 goal of improving impact and, and financially provides a steady growth for their teams and, and everyone that they touch but but things go wrong um, and i think you know our our sharing shareholder model you know we think about an lp that comes in ourselves our investees we're all shareholders we're all shareholders we all own units of the same fund um, people pick up the phone they just do they pick up the phone to each other in what would appear disparate businesses they're part of the portfolio. They want to see each other do well. They want to learn from each other. Um, now, these are great people that would do that anyway. However, this really enhances it. There's cross-pollination. Again, it's the hierarchy of needs. There's limited time in a day. Um, and that's a powerful thing. And I think it attracts the right mindset of people. When we think about what comes into the pipeline, it it helps to prevent um, fallout it gives people a little bit more courage when they wake up um, after three hours sleep which we try and advise against but you know how it is um people are passionate so it's about <laughs> minimizing the fallout from that rather than just repeatedly telling them not to do it um you know if you get an email at four in the morning you know, and they're in the same geography as you, you think first thing i'm going to say is <laughs> did you sleep enough last night um But anyway, you know, we know how it is. So how can we just help to smooth that out? It's creating that level of if if everything goes wrong here, because sometimes things go wrong for anything short of malpractice or dishonesty. We want those people to be supported, potentially over a time period, reallocated into the portfolio. Um, Some might want to fully. Some may just want six months of having their hand in a few different things, but really thinking about what's the next what's the next uh, way of either recreating their existing business or starting something new and how can we just help create that um yeah that that whatever you want to call it incubator lifestyle forum um for that and i think it 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 does it does a huge thing for well-being but equally uh there's a volatility distribution problem much we discussed it before i think you know venture has has not just survived but thrived off getting a couple of 100Xs in the portfolio and a few average and leaving a load in the dust, quickly reallocating resource as soon as there's a sign of failure. Um, I'm not speaking on behalf of a lot of funds, but I think you know a fair number have operated like that for a long time. Um, And if anyone tells you otherwise, it's not accurate. And again, it's not a blame game, but I think we can all be better. Um, So we try and think of things in our portfolio still not retesting the venture model. There's still going to be a huge spread, huge spectrum. Of returns in there but how can we bring up that bottom line a bit and how can we perhaps not encourage unnecessary risk taking um, because if something grows you know a ridiculous amount in multiples in such a short time frame something is probably going to give somewhere else in that individual's life a corner may have been cut or equally a pollution elsewhere may have been offset in our world ultimately so we just want to keep a little rein on that um some investors find it a conversation to dig into more, you know, hang on a second, are you, are you are, you know, a global bond portfolio, not at all, crikey, you know, we're, we're taking a lot of risk, there's there's a lot of growth potential, and, and it takes a lot of energy and resource. However, we do think we can create the same amalgamated return. But what sits behind that headline figure? What are the moving parts? What was the roller coaster ride felt by people? And ultimately, the return profile of the portfolio constituents, um, we think we can produce the same, if not better, returns, but doing so in a more sustainable way. Um, and people talk about sustainability. They think of the environment. Not at all. What's your, what's your training plan? Is that sustainable? You know, how was your house built? What's your education profile in a local community? It's all about sustainability. Can you weather a storm? Can you keep growing and adapting? Um, and that's how we think of our portfolio as well.
0: I really like this approach. Uh, I, I remember that we actually got in touch uh, because of this discussion about the distribution of returns uh, in a portfolio like looking into fat tails and that it's very difficult to not to uh, to avoid like the, the way the, how nature works in this space. And I really like the idea of of you sharing carry with um, with founders. So they they're a bit um, hedged, as you said, from from their own risk of of failing their own venture. Uh, and you also mentioned that there's like a lot of the community is really working uh, together. So all the companies you invested in, people actually interact with each other. And uh, I, I think you were um, when we had the first conversation. If I remember correctly, you said that some of the people, if 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 their their business fails, they they often go to to another portfolio companies to, to help out. Um, I wonder if if you have any um, special um, when you evaluate a, a new potential deal. Do you do you want them to fit tightly into the existing companies as a complementary solution slash skill set, or it it's not so much of of importance at at this stage.
2: Very good question. It. It's a it's an important factor. I think I think it comes less down to the mechanics of the business at the point in time. It comes down more to the people. Um They could all operate very independently if they chose to, it's just not how good business is done ultimately and it's not as fun that mm-hmm. way. Uh it is a huge consideration. But it's not again, it's not a, a set, you know, these are your ten by ten grid parameters you need to fit in, I think. Mm-hmm. We will skew in different ways over time. We can't predict, you know, what happens in two or three years necessarily. I think it's just having that malleability and and character in, in the people that we're, we're, we're working with today and in the future um, that are willing to do that if it's the right thing at a certain point in time. Um, it may or may not happen. It does happen. It just happens to correlate with it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, our thesis is about prevention more than a cure in health, in sustainability and impact um we believe there's a need for cures cures become prevention but i think the model is just as such that this is something that we assign aspire to this is our this is our our thesis our value proposition our mission um how does that sit with you and i think you know we have lps investors in our fund that are founders we've worked with for a number of years etc it's just creating that ecosystem and um you know i'm hoping that that increases over time, um, you know, so we can help really bridge together our whole network, you know, again, from the philanthropists, to the operators, to the doctors, to the entrepreneurs, to the, the financiers, um, you know, good people are good people. You know, we all go on different paths over life, but but diversity and, and commonality of, 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 I think, soul and heart is more important than what your CV says, ultimately. Um, and we're creating that, but we are at the tip of the iceberg, I think. You asked about certain companies before. Um, again, because they're such disparate and differentiated areas, you know, it could be a satellite technology to see where trees are planted, multi-patented tech to reduce misdiagnosis of, of, of diet. It could be a platform to improve financial literacy, packaging that isn't just pretending to be good for the world, but has scientists really working on a seismic shift in areas of waste fit tech, agri tech, you know, these are very disparate areas. Some people call it generalist, we call it the world, we call it what we all touch and eat and move and feel every day. Um, And again, the the co-investment model comes with that. But there's there's so much, as you know, better than me, Christ, there's so much junk and noise in the market, Uh, false positives, value trapping, greenwashing, whatever you want to call it. Um, But but, but our, our focus is generally on What can we provide? How can we arm people to make better decisions?
0: Cool. Uh, Thank you so much, Michael, for the conversation. Um, Very happy having you on the call. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes.